Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean. I am back alone again. Um, truly nobody likes Casey McLean. It is a nightmare even doing almost exclusively remote interviews for months. It just feels like an absolute night nightmare to try to schedule a podcast guest every week. I mean, how many I've had like Todd Royce on in one of maybe one of the worst episodes of this podcast, not even Todd's fault. Like we've just podcasted a lot and, uh, I was tired and we didn't have like a ton to talk about. We had like one road, one road weekend together to talk about, by the way, Come uh, see me do stand-up with, if you live in Arizona and you listen to this podcast, I am on a Todd Royce and Friends show at two different comedy clubs. One is Improv Mania in Phoenix, Arizona, and the other is Stir Crazy Comedy Club in the Glendale area of Phoenix. I don't understand Phoenix's geography. One is in, uh, is actually, one's in Glendale and the other one is in the other side of town, like the diagonal opposite side of town. I can't remember what it's called. So look them up, Google them. If you want to see other stand updates of mine, if you live other places, go to thecasymclain.com slash calendar. I actually am traveling around the country a little bit coming up. It's pretty exciting. <clears throat> I'm applying for festivals. I'm doing all kinds of fun stuff like that. So yeah, I'm applying for and being rejected by festivals. What a blast. What a blast. It turns out, uh, festivals still not interested in young Casey McLean. Um, I've never appeared in a comedy festival. Oh, that's not, I mean, I, I guess some people consider the Seattle international comedy competition a festival. I don't, it's a competition in my mind, which holds a special, uh, dark place in my heart. Competitions do that. Competition is no worse than. <clears throat> that competition is no worse than other competitions, in my opinion, except for the only thing that's worse is that I cared about winning it, and I did not. Um, what else do I got? I, did, I didn't do much comedy this week. I did a couple open mics, or a couple, I closed out an open mic, and I did, um, I did a show that's technically not an open mic, but might as well have been. And I'm working a story. I have a new story to throw in the old act, I think. It's an old story of mine, but I think that it's going to make it. I think it'll make it into the act. 
Um, this week, if you're listening to this the day it came out, I will be at uh, at Northwest Peaks Brewing in Seattle, Washington. That is the first time I have been to Seattle. I've driven through Seattle. I've done a couple shows north of Seattle since since the since Washington State started to reopen a little bit. And I've been to the airport that is not in Seattle. It is in SeaTac. We all know that if we live in Washington, but if you don't live here, we have an airport called the SeaTac Airport that's because it's between Seattle and Tacoma, which is funny because it borders Seattle and is still 20 miles or something like that from uh, from Tacoma. So that's the closest I've been to actually spending time in Seattle proper, I think. I haven't been to a Mariners game this year. Um, we are going to go. We're going to try to go to a Diamondbacks game in Phoenix. That'll be fun. And, uh, yeah, and then on uh, Thursday... I will be roasting my friend Taylor Bonzer, who has probably not been on this podcast. He, he and I used to have a podcast together. I'm a groomsman in his wedding. Um, I'm so happy that he was not. I did my tux fitting today, and I'm so happy that he did not get to see me get fitted with a tux uh, the day before a roast or two days before a roast because... That would have been devastating to my chances to win that roast. Holy shit, am I getting fat? I'm at my peak weight. <laughs> um, We're fixing it, the wife and I. We're in a constant state of yo-yo. Uh, we'll figure it out. I'm going to Portland on Saturday, not for comedy. It's going to be very fun, but it's going to be taxing on my calorie intake. And I have just been eating like I'm gonna. I'm not gonna live past forty, so I gotta stop that. I gotta gotta take it easy. All right, let's talk about uh, some sports and comedy and shit. I don't think that I talked about this on the podcast, but Carl Nassib came out of the closet. He's the first. He will become the first active gay NFL player. A couple years ago, Michael Sam. Uh, before the draft came out and I think he ended up going undrafted and people took that as a, a sign of homophobia. And I'm not here to tell you that it wasn't at all homophobia. I also think like his highest projection was like a third round pick. Some people had it much lower than that. Those guys aren't a guarantee to get drafted. There's a lot of variation between there. Michael Sam wasn't like a tremendously athletic guy at his position. Carl Nassib's interesting because, first off, he's got a lineage. His, his brother played quarterback at Syracuse University. And in the NFL for a little while, I think he's Ryan Nassib. I think he's out of the NFL. But I kind of thought about that when he came out of the closet. Like, did his brother know? When did his brother know? This actually might have been already litigated. They might have already talked to his brother about this, and I'm just ignorant. But... I'd be curious to know that. And the other reason it's interesting is because Carl Nassib, if you were to look at before the season, no, like, without this knowledge, I think you'd probably think, like, he's like a bubble roster guy. He's got a, he's got a pretty large contract that he's in 
a pretty large three-year contract. He's in the second year of and coming off of a disappointing season. Now, the NFL is pretty ruthless. The NFL, the the I think it was the St. Louis Rams that drafted Michael Sam. They Michael Sam didn't play a down in the NFL, I don't believe. So the NFL's ruthless. They'll cut Carl Nassib. I think it's kind of important to realize that it's possible if he gets cut that it wasn't homophobia that caused him to get cut. Now, if he doesn't get a shot anywhere, if he goes from one year being a guy that deserved a three-year or a three-year contract to a guy that can't make a roster, that's pretty suspicious. It's it's maybe not quite Kaepernick level suspicious, but it's pretty suspicious. I also think like the the conservatives that football attracts aren't necessarily the like homosexuality is a sin against God people anymore. But I don't know. I did see some. Uh, it is whenever the internet, the problem with the internet, the only solitary problem with the internet is that it elevates opinions that don't necessarily represent the people as a whole. So you will see extreme opinions politically, um, religiously, ideologically, etc. You will see extreme opinions because they attract engagement. So when Carl Nassib came out, I did see like some pretty wild internet comments about how homosexuality is a sin, which it feels like, I mean, growing up in the Northwest, I remember in 2004 or 2003, I was a high school senior having arguments with people about like the idea that marriage should be an equal right. And in the years that followed that I've had like, you know, I had like working class jobs. I've, I've known some like mainstream conservatives my entire life, different mainstream conservatives my entire life. If there's a theme of this podcast, it's that I think that even though I am not one of them, I think that they deserve a seat at the table. Um, I believe they deserve a voice. It's been a long time since I've heard a mainstream conservative say something like homosexuality is a sin, gay marriage should be illegal, whatever. But on the internet, you get to see like the most engaged with comments which means you see the most loved and the most hated comments on a topic. So I did see some of that. I will admit, I did see a little bit of that, like that sentiment. And so, um, I mean, congratulations to him. I was rooting a couple of years. There were like rumors a couple of years ago that Russell Wilson was gay and I was hoping he was gay. What a representative he would be a guy that is uncuttable. I mean, he's the most, Quarterbacks are the most valuable resource in sports. They're the most rare resource in sports. You could argue that there's not enough quarterbacks to fill the 32 starting quarterback spots in the NFL. And so the it's and and he plays in Seattle. Can you imagine how Seattle would have embraced Russell Wilson if he was gay? Oh my god. Uh Shikari Richardson. 
a prospective Olympic sprinter tested positive for marijuana and as a result will not be running in the Tokyo Olympics. There was potential. So the, the reason she won't be running is because she qualified for the Olympics in Eugene, Oregon, like a couple weeks ago. She tested positive for marijuana. There's a 30-day, she's getting a 30-day suspension, which invalidates her win in Eugene, Oregon. And then there was a chance that she could she could run on the relay team if chosen, which is a different process than qualifying. It's a, you get chosen. And she didn't get chosen, or she chose not to be chosen, whatever. This is a tough, this is a tough, uh, I mean, similarly to the, the gay rights issue or the, the marriage equality or, you know, the ever expanding kind of definition of, of rights as they relate to sexuality and gender. It's just weird to live in a place where for years, I mean, the same, the first, uh, the first time I ever voted on an issue I felt informed on was 2012 marriage equality and marijuana legalization in Washington state recreational marijuana legalization in Washington state. Everybody puts Colorado. Everyone thinks of Colorado when they think of marijuana legalization, the same election, Washington state added recreational marijuana. And so, of course, it seems silly that somebody gets suspended. I, by the way, this is not, I'm not, a, I voted for it. I haven't smoked weed in 16 years. I'm not saying I'll never smoke weed again. Uh, I'm not morally against it. It started to give me panic attacks, so I quit. Um, and then I've, because I quit, I was able to get like a job that required an entry drug test. And then since then, I've always had jobs up until recently, I've always had jobs that do entry drug testing and that do random screening. And so it's just never been worth it to me. Like I'm already like I, it already gave me panic attacks in my late teens. I, I didn't even smoke weed as a 20 year old. Um, so yeah, of course it's stupid. And then it's also like, It's also against the rule. There's so many things about this that are stupid. Marijuana is obviously not a performance enhancer for runners. And there's some bullshit, by the way, some bullshit, uh, like some bullshit tweet going around about how marijuana is used as a masking agent for other banned substances, which is just complete, complete horseshit because you get suspended for all of them. The masking agents that they that they suspend you for are things that like change your hormone levels. Do you guys remember a couple of years ago? Uh, I mean, God, it's a long time ago now. But Manny Ramirez was playing for the Dodgers, and he tested positive for a fertility drug. And he goes, "Well," <laughs> man, he goes, he goes, "Well, my wife and I are trying to conceive," and they go, "Well, yeah, but it's a." It's a female fertility drug. Like he's just introducing estrogen to his body so that he doesn't fail the test that measures his testosterone because he was taking steroids to boost his testosterone or some, 
some form of performance-enhancing drug. So whatever meme or fucking Russian bot that's going around saying that marijuana is a masking agent, it just has to be bullshit. And also, that's not it's not like that information isn't available. We can see why an uh, a substance is on the list, and that is not why marijuana is on the list. It's a controlled substance. It's uh, the other the other part of it that's unclear to me is if it's the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, or the USOC, the United States Olympic Committee, who is suspending Shikari Richardson. Because if it's the United States, I think the spirit of the Olympics, the spirit of this country, I'd like to see an exception made. If there's any influence from the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, which there has to be some universal, uniform drug testing policy because these athletes are, I mean, not only that, because people have failed tests. Like, that's the reason I know that there is. Um, And they've done it, by the way, like Russian gymnasts have done it when Russia very obviously was like involved in administering or, or, uh, proliferating these steroid aided athletes. And so if it's the United States, it's a little bit silly. I just, I found out the other day, I mean, this is like, this information has been available. I'm not, I'm not recreational marijuana is legal in like 19 states. It seems like we are going to see nationwide recreational legalization soon. And also, if you live in a local government, by the way, like, it's so weird to me. It's very weird to me that, like, the pro-liberty, pro-freedom people, those states, like Idaho, Wyoming, are generally these, like, red states, pro-liberty states. It is not even medical marijuana is legal. It's not even decriminalized. And so that's crazy that that's hypocritical to me. It seems contradictory to me. Um, but also like these are many of these states are agricultural states where there's already, I mean, I don't listen, I don't know anything about growing weeds, so, but there's already an infrastructure for growing plants. I guess is, oh man, nobody gives a fuck about this, but is weed, is most of the weed that people buy recreationally grown indoors? Somebody probably has an answer to this. By the way, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about how I did a comedy on a farm last year. I'll do comedy in your backyard. I know the pandemic is winding to an end and a lot of things are getting back to normal. I did a whole bunch of backyard shows last year. If you want me to do a show in your backyard, uh, hit me up. I don't want to, I don't want to haggle about price on here. We can make it affordable and we can put together a show that's, you know, up to 90 minutes long or whatever. Uh, it can be much shorter than that if you'd like, and we'll make the price reasonable. I mean, especially if you get now you can have, people over to your backyard 
last year, I'm now willing to admit, I went to Eatonville, Washington on a, on a hundred acre farm. And some of those people weren't from the same household. I realized. I think the statute of limitations is up on illegal comedy shows, but <clears throat> Shohei Otani is, oh, so the, to, to close out the IOC thing, it's like a tough spot because if it's banned by the IOC, which I could have looked up before this and I didn't, then the United States has no choice. If it isn't banned by the IOC, then the United States is stupid for letting this thing that most people in the United States approve of the use of the, the recreational use of be a reason they don't get a gold medal athlete. Also, Shikari Richardson, by the way, for the people out there who are, uh, who are the, like, I've seen a lot of like, well, you knew the rules. If you, if, if you, what's the, what's it? Don't do the crime. If you can't do the time, whatever that kind of bullshit. Her mom died like a month ago. That's when she smoked weed. And we have this culture that allows alcohol to be legal. And I like alcohol. I, I drink alcohol on a regular basis. Not only because I'm a comedian, but because I'm a big craft beer snob. Like, I drink alcohol. There's been discussion in the marijuana legalization process that if, if knowing what everything we know right now, if alcohol and weed were both illegal today, everywhere, and we had to make the best decision possible, would we make marijuana legal or alcohol legal? And the answer is pretty obviously marijuana. I like alcohol better. I like the the ritual of drinking. I like the taste of of cocktails and and craft beer and wine. And I'm even like this stupid hard seltzer or like a shit beer. I don't care. I like the ritual. I like the taste. It's fun. I enjoy it. But if we're admitting which one should be legal first, it's the one where the there's like a great, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's like a hacky street joke, but it's, What's the difference between uh, an alcoholic and a pothead? And the, the difference is that a an alcoholic will blow through a stop sign and a pothead will stop at the stop sign and wait for it to turn green. Um, told that to my dad the other day, by the way. Bombed. It bombed. Really hate bombing with... Uh, in a setting where I'm not even doing comedy, where it's like, this is, this is uh, on easy mode. Shohei Otani's having an amazing season. He became the second ever Japanese player to hit 30 home runs the other day. We are at the uh, approaching Major League Baseball's all-star break, and he did that. He also became the first person, or I think he tied the record or is about to tie the record or broke the record for the most home runs by someone who pitched more than 10 games in a season. He's having, he's a dual all-star and he's having a season that were he not a two-way player. He's a two-way all-star. If he were not a two-way player, he would be an all-star as a DH, as an outfielder and as a pitcher individually without considering 
the other elements of his game. Um, this is amazing. What we are seeing is amazing. What's also amazing is that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim can have two absolute generational talents on their roster. After several years of having like the the late decline but still productive Albert Pujols and Mike Trout together. They can have those two things happening and still be mediocre to bad almost every season. It's almost amazing that they haven't lucked into a deep playoff run or a, a World Series appearance, a World Series victory. It's amazing. Shohei Otani, but, and I also think, by the way, and I said this way back when, not Jerry DePoto in Seattle. His last, the last opportunity he had to survive his present contract, in my opinion. I actually don't know when he signed his extension, but to be a long-term, to have a long-term future in Seattle was dashed away when he missed out on signing Shohei Otani. Uh, I don't think... So the Mariners are have a good record this year. They are not a good team. That should be... Let's, let's make that clear. This is not a good Mariners team. I want to say they have one of the worst run differentials in baseball, and they're outperforming their run differential by, I mean, maybe double-digit wins. They are not a good team. This is a team that's going to lose 85 games at minimum, very likely. They're also a team that should not be mortgaging their future to try to make the play, to try to make the playoffs this season, which I've seen some suggestion that the ownership group probably isn't even going to let Jerry DePoto attempt to win this year because there's a there's probably going to be a new GM in Seattle pretty soon. If not after this season, pretty soon. All right, I'm st- I'm watching the NBA Finals. It's exciting. I like DeAndre Ayton. I like Chris Paul's fine. Um, Devin Booker, fun to watch. I guess I'm rooting for Phoenix. I don't actually have a strong opinion. I love I love Giannis also. I like uh, though I don't think he plays there anymore. There used to, what was, remember that guy Dante Divincenzo. Let's see what old they call him White. Uh, Bomani Jones used to call him White Dante. I don't think he's there anymore. I think maybe he's a Celtic now. Oh, no, he still is in Milwaukee. What are you doing, Dante DiVincenzo? Let's see. Has he played a single minute in the postseason? He's this dude that had... Oh, this is lame. The basketball reference has his... uh, has his nicknames. The Big Ragu is pretty good uh, because he's got a very Italian last name. But white chocolate. We've already had a white chocolate. If I remember right, I think DiVincenzo, he, he can shoot a three like nobody's business. Let's see if he's played a single postseason game. Come on. I 
This uh he's he's shot sixteen times in the playoffs. Two of twelve from three. I like Giannis. Um I think he's he's gonna obviously take the throne from he's already won some MVPs. He's gonna take the throne from LeBron. Especially if he can figure out how to consistently shoot threes. By the way, I'm talking about basketball like I've been watching it at all in the last 10 years. I basically haven't. I just loved basketball so much that I feel like you can sit down and go like, I can see this guy's game. I know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if that dude, if Giannis can become a consistent three-point shooter, that dude's going to be unstoppable. He's going to be Dirk Nowitzki and LeBron and Tim Duncan. He's fucking amazing. Um. But I guess I'm rooting for Phoenix because, like, I guess, I don't know, Chris Paul. Um, That's all. That's the only reason. I did tweet something today. Let's see if it has any traction at all. I might just be deleting it. You might be getting the tweet exclusively here. I don't think I've pulled up. T- I've been doing a pretty good job of of uh, staying off social. Yeah, I got nothing. Did I word it wrong? I did think I might have worded it wrong. Let's see. Yeah, nothing. Mike Budenholzer, who is the uh, Bucks coach. Mike Budenholzer doesn't look exactly like Alex Jones, but if one played the other in a movie, nobody would call it a stretch. They look pretty similar. He looks a lot like Alex Jones. <sighs> I guess, yeah. So I guess I'm rooting for Phoenix. Um, I'm trying to think of a reason why I any reason that I actually care. I was actually rooting for the Atlanta Hawks because I love Nate McMillan, but, and I actually, I like Trey Young's game a lot, but here we are. All right. I'm trying to think, uh, fireworks this year. I'm curious. You guys tell me if, if you had, the same experience. So 2020, it felt like people were lighting fireworks off from the beginning of June till the end of July. And there were a couple things going on. First off, I mean, everyone's out of work or working from home. People who are out of work are 67% or something like that were making more money on unemployment than they were while they were employed. Um, There was the first, there's also nothing to do. A lot of the like, uh, like in Tacoma, we have this, they call it like the Freedom Fair or something like that. It was canceled, even though it's an outdoor event, it was canceled, which I understand. It probably would have been, you know, too crowded or whatever. It would have been potentially a super spreader event or whatever. Um, there was also, the unrest caused by the murder of George Floyd. Uh, and I I heard that in other cities, in other Tacoma, the, the city that I live in is like an actually diverse city. Um, a lot of times cities that are the most, outspoken about diversity are actually very segregated uh democrats liberal cities seattle's that way like um 
Seattle has my friend Greg Beachler, who was on the podcast. I don't think we talked about this on the podcast, but if we did, uh, I apologize. He told me he's like, Seattle doesn't have any black neighborhoods. He's from um, Spokane by way of Michigan, by way of Colorado. So he hasn't lived here for that long, a couple years. And he's like, Seattle doesn't have any black neighborhoods. And I was like, no, it does. They just don't, they just don't do comedy shows in those neighborhoods. Like Rainier Valley has a lot of black people that live there. It's also probably the poorest part of Seattle. Like it's, uh, Seattle's tremendously segregated. Tacoma's not at this point. I mean, I live on a street that's, uh, relatively diverse. I understand there's like, we have to go, you have to give 75 qualifications. Like, uh, gentrification's bad. It's complicated. It causes a lot of problems. Yes, I understand that. The neighborhood I live in, uh, has remained diverse the time we've lived there. The, uh, part of the reason is because we live, you know, there's two apartment buildings in our, on our street. And that's, I think that's probably most of the minority population lives in those apartment buildings. And, um, but there's, there are also black homeowners in our area. It's an actually diverse city is what I would say. It, it might be getting to be less that way, but The other actually diverse cities, New York, um, I think Chicago is actually pretty segregated, but there's a lot of fireworks going off and it's, you know, is it a demonstration? Is it a show of frustration? Is it people who are unemployed service industry employees who are making more money than they've ever made and have suddenly disposable income and nothing to do? I don't know. But last year there were a lot more fireworks this year. My neighborhood did pretty good. I will admit. I'll admit something that's kind of embarrassing. January 1st, 2021 was the first New Year's Eve that I haven't been doing stand-up comedy in a couple years. And my neighbors were lighting fireworks off still at 3 a.m. I was awake. I have a I have an at the time you know, not even one and a half year old daughter. I have a dog that's losing her mind. At the time, my daughter and dog both sleeping in the bedroom. We've since kicked the daughter out, but it wasn't just fireworks. It wasn't like, you know, firecrackers going off. We're talking like class. B. I mean, listen, I've been a firework person in my life. I don't think there's, you know, I don't think that they're stupid in a way that, like, I can't possibly understand why people like them. Of course, they're a fucking blast. I loved fireworks. I used to buy uh, my, we had a hookup, my friend and I, we had a, I grew up on the Puyallup Indian tribe. Um, there's a lot of, of tribal land in my area. I've bought a lot of illegal fireworks. I bought a lot of shit where you show up and you're like, yeah, where's the good shit? Can you show me the good shit? And then they show you the good shit and you buy the good shit. Okay. I've owned and spent a lot of money on fireworks. I'm not, I don't think they're completely stupid. I do think it sucks when, by the way, now I like, I would love it if they got outlawed. It would be great for me. Uh, I'm more empathetic to people who maybe have PTSD issues and stuff like that. But I do think they are stupid. They've always been stupid. My whole life, they've been stupid at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. 
And the other thing that was happening last June and July is, and it's only happened once. It happened on the 4th of July, uh, I guess technically the 5th of July, but for some reason, like a couple times a week, somebody would at 2 a.m. like drop an M80 in the middle of our street. And I know because I was out there and I'm familiar with the sound of an M80 and I saw the flash in the middle of the street. I didn't see who did it. I'm not trying. I was not, I, I don't like want anyone to get arrested over this. I don't want the police to like come and show force. What I'd like is to be able to fucking sleep. And to be clear, the people I called the police on were white devils. They were white devils awake at 3 a.m. Um, but yeah, I called the police. I fucking karen I was a Karen before that was like, that became a, a fashionable term. I guess it was in 2020. I don't know. We also had a guy on our street pull a gun on another guy, and I called the cops on him. Uh, I believe both people were white, but one guy did call the other guy white boy. The guy with the gun called the other guy white boy. It was very confusing because I thought they were both white. I, I don't think that guy got arrested either. Um, so anyways, good job. My neighborhood reducing the firework, uh, situation. I don't know that that's, I'm curious what other people's experience was because I, I mean, it was noticeably reduced this year and it was also confined almost exclusively to July 3rd, 4th and 5th, basically. And that's perfect. That's fine. I mean, I don't like it. It's still stressful. I'm still constantly worried my house is going to burn down. Uh, there was a building in Tacoma that burnt down. Um, I would say just Occam's razor looking at it. There's like, it's a little suspicious, but it's not a completely unfounded fear. All right. We're going to get into some wild shit now because uh, I will go brief. But we're deep enough into the podcast that if you're still listening, you deserve to hear a wild opinion. Bill Cosby got out of prison. Uh, first off, Bill Cosby represents a an unforeseen consequence of our justice system. Because I think everybody agrees that Bill Cosby is a bad man who did very bad things, who, who deserves to be punished and held accountable. Unfortunately, the way our legal system works, there's that saying like better, uh, like a, a thousand guilty men walk free than one innocent man goes to prison or something like that. Our justice system is supposed to be designed with the presumption of innocence. And it's also supposed to be designed, um, to get justice for the people involved and the, 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 prosecutor fucked up or they did the best they could bill cosby spent three and a half years in prison uh it's not you know i think we all kind of thought he would just go to prison and die he wasn't his case wasn't vacated because they found him innocent all of a sudden with new information it was because of a technicality in a civil case that he that he settled on i believe or lost a couple years ago and so, uh, I, 
it sucks. So let's start on that. It sucks that Bill Cosby's out of prison because he's, it seems like a very guilty man and it sucks and it sucks for the victims. It sucks for people who, but so Felicia Rashad, a black woman worked with, worked with Bill Cosby on the Cosby show. She was a Claire Huxtable. She's now a college professor, and she congratulated the state of Pennsylvania for correcting a miscarriage of justice. Now, technically, that's true. Like, there was a deal in place from this past thing. Like, they did go through the procedural process. And I can see why a lot of people who have been disenfranchised by our court system, poor people and minorities would view this as a victory. It's, I mean, it's not in that way because Bill Cosby is extremely wealthy. And if, if were it not for, I am sure one of the best legal teams in the country, he probably isn't free now. Felicia Rashad tweets, uh, tweets support of Bill Cosby's release this reversal reversal of a miscarriage of justice in her eyes. And she's like probably going to lose her job at her college. Bill Cosby is going to be touring in all likelihood. And Felicia Rashad is probably going to lose her job over having a nuanced but clunky presentation of an opinion that a lot of people hold. Not that, not that Bill Cosby specifically deserves leniency but that the justice system is specifically geared or incidentally geared against poor people and minorities however you feel about that that is a mainstream opinion she was expressing and she's very likely to lose her her job presumably this she's got plenty of money but if you don't think that this is like, to me, the best argument for cancel culture is the guy who actually committed these crimes is out of prison, very likely to be touring, probably going to reach a lucrative settlement with the state of Pennsylvania. And this woman who had a thought and expressed it in a way that people didn't like at a time when people didn't think it was appropriate could very well lose her job. I disagree with her. I disagree with Felicia Rashad. I don't think she should lose her job. I mean, I think Cosby should be in prison and Felicia Rashad should keep her job. But uh, it's probably going to be the very opposite of that. And a lot of people are going to be happy about it. I guess people, most people aren't happy that Cosby's out. There are people, though, that are happy. That, there are people proclaiming Bill Cosby's innocence. To be clear, I am not one of those people. And then finally, uh, Raytheon, the weapons manufacturer, uh, they there were some documents released that Raytheon is introducing concepts from critical race theory. So I have my I have some problems with critical race theory that we don't need to get into. I think that uh, viewing everything through the lens of race is potentially damaging. 
Um, I think that I like the idea of equity over equality, but it's already being perverted. Also, equity is a thing that you can measure and the way that it's being used, you can't measure it. I've what the thing to me is, I think all these things are true. Like viewing everything through the angle of race is probably bad. Um, for both white people and minorities. I think it's not. I also think that because you've introduced this concept of equity, that's, that's, uh, simple in definition, but complex and impossible to measure when it comes to the measurement portion of it, there's never going to be enough equity. This is like a trick. It feels like to me, um, not that we're even close though. That's the thing that's fucked up is I understand why critical race theory exists. And I, I, I think it's like, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I'm in favor of cash reparations for at minimum descendants of slaves. Um, I am in favor of cash reparations. The average black family in Seattle, and I, and I looked this up before the pandemic, so it's probably actually gotten worse, but the average black family in Seattle had $25,000 in family wealth. The average white family had like $425,000 in family wealth. The average black family in the United States had like $17,000 in family wealth. The average white family had like $125,000 in family wealth. <clears throat> the average, sorry, the median white family in Boston, median is different. Median is not average because of course, Seattle, the average could be boosted by, depending on if Bill Gates is a Seattle resident that year, whatever. Like, of course, the top 1% can, can disproportionately influence. But Boston, the median, meaning the middle point of white wealth, the average white or the median white family had like $325,000 in family wealth. The median black family had $0. <laughs> in family wealth. So if wealth, by the way, um, calculated as assets minus liabilities. So $5,000 in the bank, a car that's worth 20 grand, you owe 10 grand on the car. You have $20,000 in credit card debt. You're negative wealth. You have negative wealth. If those are your assets and liabilities, okay? So very often when you talk about cash reparations, you'll hear this thing like, well, that's not the best way to divvy out the money. But there's not like a next step, right? Like what is the best way then, you stupid? Like I also, there's like a good argument that uh, that there's a good argument that social programs and the money put into social programs are some type of reparations. But we still have this massive disparity. Uh, black people and Native Americans specifically have 
this massive disparity in wealth compared to white and and Asian families. And they're lagging pretty significantly behind uh, Hispanic families. And African immigrants come to this country and actually outperform white people. The, the, the like echo of slavery's impact is still happening. Like that, there's not a doubt about that. And we've fucked around so long that we've allowed this, this like, you could be critical of critical race theory. I am. But it doesn't exist because people are just looking for a fucking uh, an opportunity to be offended. By the way, I do think people are looking for an opportunity to be offended in this country, but that's not why critical race theory exists. Critical race theory exists, in my opinion, because we've done such a poor job of atoning for the worst sins this country has ever committed. And... Not only have we done a poor job, we've waited forever to even try. And so, yeah, I may disagree with it. This is a, like I, I was a, a lost podcast with Greg Beachler. We, I said something to him. I guess it'll probably never come out. But uh, a lot of times you'll hear people talk about reparations for slavery. And they will say something along the lines of so then black people can shut up about racism and of course not that's not what you're not buying that with reparations reparations are a moral duty in my opinion that america has to the people that it disenfranchised that it explicitly disenfranchised black people native americans also you'll hear people say native americans aren't doing so great with their their handout Listen, those aren't handouts. Those are treaties. Those are those are uh, businesses created because of a sovereign nation agreement. I grew up on tribal land. Like this is, I've had these conversations with people. You don't get to build a casino as a handout. You get to build a casino because you don't have to follow local laws. But it's still a ton of investment, a ton of money. And also the worst parts of casinos and those kinds of establishments, the they may actually be having a negative effect on the people who they are supporting financially in some cases. So <clears throat> Native American people are, are lagging behind in this country financially. And to me, the equity argument, to make the equity argument well, we should have a measurement. And the easiest measurement, it's not the only measurement, but the easiest measurement is fucking money. Give these people money. Narrow the wealth gap. You're never going to, by the way, you're never going to erase the pain caused by slavery with money. The reason is because you're never going to erase the pain caused by slavery. That's it. That's why you can't expect people to shut up after you hand them money. You hand them money because this country owes them. 
in my opinion. I mean, I, th- I think it's a pretty justifiable opinion. I don't think it's a radical opinion. And there's other people will be like, well, some people are just going to spend it on whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, some people get their parents' inheritance and blow it all on cars and houses. Some white people. Some percentage of people are, for sure. Some white people do that shit too. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if some pe- It is, in my opinion, racist. And I've heard black people say this is, it's not the right, like it's not the best way to use the money. And some people are going to blow it on whatever. It's racist to me to go, well, those people don't know how to use the money. Like that's fucked up. Give them money. And then listen, if it doesn't work, give them more money. There's 40 million black people in this country. If you give every black person in this country $50,000, it would cost $2 trillion, which is not even as much as we gave to bail out corporations in the COVID pandemic. How about bailing out 40 million people? Maybe maybe you don't, you know, maybe there's some division on, on, uh, on, uh, like, if you're not a descendant of slaves. I don't know what the answer to that is, by the way. But I'm willing to go as far as just giving even African immigrants this money. Uh, though I, d- I don't necessarily think that's the most efficient. And my, my preference would be to... I even think, by the way, if you want to put uh, an income requirement on it or a, a wealth, a wealth, a lack of wealth requirement, whatever. I don't... I'm, I'm not a fucking politician. But we're at a point of inaction that's it's fucking insulting at this point. Obviously, there's plenty of things that are insulting. So what a way to end the podcast. Uh thank you for listening. You got me you got me at my you got me at my realist uh uh this so critical race theory, but I didn't even get to the point. Raytheon is introducing critical race theory. And it's fucking hilarious to me that people who I've seen these like, they go, great, that's awesome. Cl- you know, clap, clapping hands emojis. Hat tip to you, Raytheon. <laughs> these, these supposed liberals who are applauding this company who makes products that destroy cultural centers in country that in countries that those same liberals claim to care about that kill thousands if not tens or hundreds of thousands of uh of middle eastern civilians <laughs> and they're like yeah but you uh you made that guy stop saying that he prays that the that was one of their things white people can't say that that uh they pray things will change soon for black people, <laughs> but they can't do that, but they can make a missile. That's going to, that's going to destroy a, a village in Iraq. Come on. You're fucking joking me. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please uh, subscribe, 
um, tell a friend, tell a coworker. I did have a financial supporter of this podcast on anchor.com or anchor.fm. And then I said, I just was like, Hey, because some podcasts do like shout outs. And I was like, Hey, I'm only, I'm only going to shout your name out once. Let me know if you want me to keep doing it. And then he just stopped. <laughs> he just stopped supporting the podcast, which is very funny. So I don't care if you support I don't, financially, you don't need to send me any money. Um, I'd love it if you came out to a comedy show. I'd love it if you shared this podcast with a friend, if you think they would like it. I'd love it if you suggested guests from other comedy scenes. If you're not in the uh, Seattle Tacoma area, I would love it if you suggested guests, please make them like competent comics. By the way, I don't, I don't want to fucking talk to, to Milwaukee's edgy open micers or whatever. Um, Please follow me across all platforms at the Casey McLean. Stand updates, thecaseymcclain.com slash calendar. Uh, I'm opening for, I got bumped by Mike Epps for like the third time in the pandemic. So I'll be opening for Bobcat Goldthwaite in Spokane, August 13th and 14th. And then I don't think I'm going back to Spokane for the rest of my goddamn life. I've been there so much. Um, yeah, there'll be some, there's going to be some fun dates coming up. Hopefully some dates uh, in small towns in the Northwest that have reasonably sized rooms that I could potentially not look embarrassed, not be embarrassed at how little they're filled, but uh, run some door deals. So anyway, if by the way, if you know a place like that, if you know a bar uh, that has like a back room, I have a PA. I'll come to your backyard. I'll come to the back room of a bar. We could sell some tickets, sell some T-shirts, drink some alcohol stay in a bad hotel room, come home, see my daughter. We could do the whole thing. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and uh, I will talk to you soon.